And I'm so glad that each of us who are redeemed can share a similar story. That God in his sovereignty reached down to us and said, Don't be afraid. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day and it said, I don't think it's important for us to have purpose in life. And I was like, that's not a Christian response. Paul says, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which the Lord has before ordained that you should walk in them. Paul says again, for it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if he wills for you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. As we begin today, um, I will open in a word of prayer, and then we will be in the last part of Acts chapter 9. Acts 9, verses 32 to 43. So that will be our text for today, and uh, I trust that the Lord will be with us as we look into His Word. Um, so, uh, let's open in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to be with us in a special way. Lord, um, first of all, uh, we want to acknowledge who you are and thank you for that. Lord, we read in the Psalms, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? And yet 2000 years ago, you did visit us. And not only did you visit us, you made your abode with us for 33 years. And you showed us how to live. You gave us an example that we should follow in your steps. And so, Lord, we pray for the strength to do that. Um, and before we go to this message, I just pray for our brother Mark DeFowler, Lord, that you be with his mouth, that you would continue the healing there, and that you would give him grace and a peace that passes all understanding. For just as you told Paul, and just as you tell each of us today, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we pray this for our brother. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today we're going to look at uh, what I have simply titled, God's Work Through Peter. And that is significant because... Even though there is a greatness to the work that Peter does in this passage, it all comes from Jesus. Nothing great that we accomplish can come of our own strength, only through the Lord Jesus and for his purposes. I think sometimes we miss the greater purpose in these healings. And that perhaps uh, that is why healing does not occur in the same way as it did back then. I saw a, a, a chart yesterday of 
Paul's ministry. And it talked about how the physical healings that Paul did, they decreased throughout his ministry. And there were actually friends of Paul that he had, that he prayed for God to deliver from sickness because Paul did not in and of himself have the power to go into someone's room and say, rise and be healed. The only power that anyone has to heal is given through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just because God does not choose to heal does not mean God is not good. Through my life, I've had, I think, three times, three or four times now, when someone's asked me to pray for them. And, of course, initially when someone asks you to pray, asks to pray for you, who doesn't want that? But they will pray for my healing. Or I had one person who I gave my testimony one day at the Guiding Light Mission when I was working there. And he and I had a great conversation, so... I took his phone number. He took mine. He calls me up the next day and says, I know how you can get right with God so you can walk again. And he tried to convince me for the better part of a half hour that he knew how to heal me. And I said to him, I said, I've spent the last 29 plus years of my life at that point coming to grips with the fact that God did not make a mistake when he put me in this wheelchair. So as we study these healings today, we study them from the standpoint that God's way is sovereign, that he knows what he is doing, and that he has a specific purpose for each measure of healing that he gives. Do I believe that God can heal me? Yes, I do. But just as Johnny Erickson Tata says, the day that my wheelchair would be an impediment to my ministry, it will be gone. Whether that's here on earth or more likely in heaven, that is God's business. And my business is to be about preaching the gospel and showing indeed that God's grace is sufficient and that I can glory in my infirmities because it's through my infirmity that God's grace rests upon me. Amen. In verse 32 of Acts chapter 9, where we begin our reading, and we will read through the first four verses of this passage here. It says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which, are, which dwell at Lydda, and he came upon a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter saith unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he rose after three days of medicinal herbs. No, he arose immediately. And listen to this key verse in verse 35. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Sauron saw him and turned to the Lord. Now, I don't know how many people are there, but it seems to me that this verse is saying that every single person in those towns turned to the Lord. 
It doesn't say some of them. It says all. Now that's a pretty significant reason for a healing. I was listening to a sermon by R.C. Sproul. And he made the point that this is an active word. Jesus Christ maketh you whole. That it was already begun, that it was a continuous action, and he said, all of us on a spiritual level, as redeemed saints, can relate to this. Because there is a, there is a song that we often sing, or I sang when I was a kid, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and faithful he must be. Because he's still working on me. And he hasn't given up. And he's continually healing me, continually uh, helping me to die to self. Why? To conform me to the very image of his son. That is the purpose. And I love the detail that Luke gives us. He wants us to make sure that Peter and all these healers and acts, they're not charlatans. Because he comes to this guy Aeneas and he says, and it says here that Aeneas was in bed for eight years. It's very clear that people knew that Aeneas was bedridden. That he probably had to have people come in and turn him and, and wait on him hand and foot for those eight years. And what does Peter say? He says, get up. And make your bed. Because it was evident to Peter, through the healing of God, that Aeneas was no longer going to have to be bound to that bed for 24 hours. So making his bed was now now going to be a daily necessity. And he arose immediately. I often tell people this is why, this is the biggest reason why I believe in a literal six day creation. Because when Jesus heals somebody, it happened immediately. So why would I believe anything less about the creation of the world? The Bible says that God spoke it into existence and it existed. Why should I add anything more to that? And then the impact, of course, is that they turned to the Lord. See, the ceiling was significant. I'm sure Aeneas' life was changed from here on out physically. He could, he could find work. He could be a productive member of his society. That is a good thing. But the greater thing is that all turned to the Lord. And that reminds me 
of another healing of a paralytic that I want to look at now. If someone could turn to Matthew 9, 4 to 7. Matthew 9, 4 to 7. Now it's possible that Jesus would have healed him anyway, but it's interesting the phrasing that he gives here about why he healed this man. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. So, Jesus had previously said to this lame man, Your sins are forgiven you. And if he had never healed him physically, that man was still a winner that day. Because your sins being forgiven is much more important than any physical healing. But then what did Jesus say? He said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Because he was probably thinking, well, they know that you can. anybody can say your sins are forgiven. I could sit up here as a man and just see each of you individually and say your sins are forgiven you. It doesn't mean anything, though, because I don't have power to do it. But he says, so that you know that I have power on earth to forgive sins, I say to this man, rise and walk. So the purpose was not just to give a temporary healing and to have um, to have the earthly life of a healed person. The purpose was to show that God has power to forgive sins. An interesting factoid when it says in this passage that Peter went through all parts of the country to do ministry, it's been calculated that that was about 35 miles that Peter traveled from Jerusalem to Lydda. So the, the word is spreading... Remember, Jesus said, first you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're spreading out a little bit more. D.L. Moody said, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God and you will never <laughs> trust in God and you will never be confounded in time or eternity. And again that was D.L. Moody. What wonderful words for us that if we trust in God, we will have security. Remember we sang earlier today. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same.
Okay, now we're going to read in the second part, uh, in the second point, if you're taking notes, Doris, Dorcas's friends intercede for her. There's no greater encouragement that someone can give me as a friend than to tell me earnestly that they are praying for me. Paul opened many of his epistles by saying, earnestly I pray for you, or I thank God for you with joy because of your faith in the Lord Jesus. It was important for Paul to encourage others, for them to know that he thought of them. So looking at verses 36 to 38, they read, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for so much as Lida was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come. So you have these people. First of all, I want to point out that um, this, this is referring to Tabitha or Dorcas as a woman full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Someone full of good works is not someone who heard a sermon and got inspired for a week. This is someone whose very life was a life of giving. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. And so she gets sick and she dies. And the people are mourning her and they're wondering what to do. And they hear that Peter is nearby. So they call him. And I think it's significant that they desire for her healing. Because of her character. Because she was full of good works and we'll read later on in the next part some of those but I know that that is something that we need to aspire to that good works would characterize us one of the fruits of the spirit is kindness and often we preach the fruits of the Spirit as if they are something that we need to consciously practice. And I do believe that that is true to an extent. But the far greater truth is that as we yield to God, the fruit of the Spirit will be the result of that yielding, not so much the practice Yes, we should endeavor to practice those things, but as we do, they will become a more regular part of who we are 
in what we do. And so you have these people, they call on Peter because they know that God has been working through Peter. Perhaps they heard about Aeneas and they know that they wanted something for this person, Dorcas, that they loved. I'm sure we all know people that are totally giving and sacrificial. My brother Bartholomew is one of those people. He's been my caregiver for the better part of 31 years. And I very rarely hear him complain. Um, and he's, he's very giving and generous. And I know that he is financially as well as in other ways, even though he doesn't talk about it. And that's the kind of person I want to be. You know, there's specific spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about us all having. And some of us have primary gifts for giving and others don't. But I think it should be the goal of every believer to exercise every spiritual gift as much as possible. Just because you are bent toward a certain spiritual gift does not exempt you from showing the other spiritual disciplines. But in this case with Dorcas, we know that she was a giving person. We know that it was a part of her life. It was a continual part of her life. Um, Because it says she was full of good works. They burst from her. Jesus said, if you call on to me, you will be, you will be like, there will be like rivers of living water flowing from your belly. That's the type of person that Dorcas was, and that's the type of person that we should endeavor to be. Could we look at Titus, verse, Titus chapter 3, verse 8? To just look a little bit more at these characteristics. Titus 3 verse 8. This is a faithful saying of these things. I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So it is good and profitable for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus to be people of good works. The Bible says in Galatians, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So this is the picture that is being painted for us of Dorcas. And uh, it is so important for us to be able to make intercession for our fellow believers. John Calvin said, to make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. And so we need to make sure that intercession is something that we are about.
Okay, so the scene is set for our final section. of Acts 9. So starting to read in Acts 9.39 Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come they brought him into the upper chamber and the widows stood there weeping and showing all the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. But Peter put them forth and kneeled and prayed. And turning him to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened up her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. I don't want you to miss this. We saw the healing of Aeneas, and what was the result? All that saw it believed on the Lord. Then we see the healing of Dorcas, and we once again see all those, or many of those, who saw it, believed on the Lord. You see, as grateful as they were to see her alive, the greater thing was that it testified to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. So my guess is from this that that this gave a platform for Peter to once again proclaim the gospel. You ever think about Peter? This was the guy that said, Lord, even if everyone deserts you, I will never leave you. I will die for you, Lord. And the Lord said, but Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But I've prayed for you, Peter, and when you're restored, strengthen your brethren. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's strengthening his brother. He's fulfilling the call that God had on his life. He's come a long way from the man that said, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. And Jesus said, Fear not, Peter. For starting today, you will catch men. And I'm so glad that each of us who are redeemed can share a similar story. That God in his sovereignty reached down to us and said, Don't be afraid. 
I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day and it said, I don't think it's important for us to have purpose in life. And I was like, that's not a Christian response. Paul says, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which the Lord has before ordained that you should walk in them. Paul says again, for it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if he wills for you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the kind of purpose for which you and I live. I'm looking real quick for this passage because I realized for my next cross-reverence I wrote down the wrong book of the Bible. But I wanted to bring us to uh, uh, a healing of Jesus because I really feel like Peter is emulating his master here. When he healed Jairus's daughter. Mark 5. Okay. I had Acts 5 and I knew that was wrong. Um, I think it was because I was preaching in Acts. Um, Dad, do you have that? Can you read it for us? Let's see. If someone... Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side of the Greek Mountain and gathered in and by the sea. And you know, one of the rules of the synagogue came by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter, when it's death, come and lay your hands on her, and then she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him, and thronged him. Now, while he was still speaking, and some came from the ruler of the synagogue, your daughter is dead. Why come to the teacher and further? As soon as Jesus heard the, of the word that she was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the turmoil and those who wept and wailed loudly. And they came and said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead or sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother and the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, rise. Immediately. 
so in this case, Peter prays. And then he said to her, Arise. It's interesting that with the healing of Aeneas, he simply said the words, Get up off your bed. It doesn't say that he prayed. But I, I think he might have thought at least on a human level this is like the next level so I need to make sure that I pray and ask God for wisdom and I like to think that perhaps he was looking back through the annals of his mind and remembering this moment with Jairus' daughter and praying for that strength and then he says to her Tabitha arise and she sat up alive. And he took her hand and she rose up and he presented her to those who are out there weeping. Remember the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And you may not see the bodily resurrection. You probably won't see the bodily resurrection of anyone that you love here on earth. But there's coming a day when the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And Paul was very confident about this. And his purpose in writing this was what? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's how important these words. But can you imagine being these people, being the loved ones of Dorcas? You showed Peter all the clothes that she made for you. Specifically the widows. Seemed like she had a ministry to widows. Perhaps even a widow herself because her husband is not mentioned here in this passage. And Peter is able to present her alive. I wonder, too, if Peter continued to marvel at the power of Christ. Because Peter knew it wasn't him doing the healing. That only God could do what he did. And then it was made known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Again, the belief in the Lord is the key here. That's what God wanted people to get out of this healing. Because you know what? Dorcas would die again. Her body lays in a grave today somewhere. But someday soon... She will rise to die no more. Because the blood of Jesus Christ opened the way to heaven. And then Peter abides many days in Joppa. No doubt answering questions 
probably accepting the thanks of those around, but every time they thanked him, he could say, it was the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what he said when the lame man was healed? If you must know by what power the lame man was made well, be it known unto you that it was the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's why it's culturally acceptable today to say God bless you. It's culturally acceptable today to say I believe in God. But if you say the only way to heaven is Jesus, that's not acceptable to many. Even in Christian, quote-unquote, circles. But you know, Jesus said something interesting. He said, narrow is the way to the straight gate. Look to the straight gate. Narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. That's depressing in a way, because I have loved ones that I pray for desperately that they would come to find the narrow and the straight gate. But Jesus also says, him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So my question for you today is, have you come to him? Have you trusted him? He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall go in and out and shall find pasture. As one of my friends used to say when we administered in the jail together, he said, we're not special people. We're just beggars. <laughs> we're beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. simple as that I want to close with this poem called the miracle of provision it says whatsoever he bids you do it though you may not understand yield to him complete obedience then you'll see his mighty hands fill the water pots with water fill them to the very brim he will honor all your trusting leave the miracle to him Bring to Christ your loaves and fishes, though they be but few and small. He will use the weaker vessels. Give to him your little all. Do you ask how many thousands can be fed with food so slim? Listen to the master's blessing. Leave the miracle to him. Oh, yo, ye Christian, learn the lesson. Are you struggling all the way? Cease your... Cease your trying. Change to trusting. Then you'll triumph every day. Whatsoever he bids you do it, fill the pots up to the brim. But remember, just... But remember, tis his battle. Leave the miracle 
to him. And that is by T.H. Allen. And I think that that sums up this message so well. Peter wasn't anything special. He was a fisherman. It was even said in Acts chapter 4 that he was an unlearned man. But But people knew. People knew that he had been with Jesus. And it was Jesus that made all the difference in this passage. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, to believe in thine heart that God hath raised me from the dead, you will be saved. And it's my prayer that if there be anyone here that has not yet done that, that you would do that. And if you are his and you're struggling with what you have to give, remember this poem. Whatever water pots you have, whatever you have to give him, fill it to the brim and, and, and leave the miracle to him. God has done so many wonderful things in my life. Often right after I complain and, and rail at him for not doing things the way I want him to do them. But if God can use Jonah, if God can use Peter, if God can use Gideon or David, he can use us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths found in it. We thank you for this example of Dorcas, Lord. We pray that we would be Dorcases to those around us. That they would be able to see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Lord, we can't bring much with us out of this life, but we can bring other people with us if they trust you. And we pray earnestly that you would turn the hearts of our friends and family to the Lord Jesus Christ if they have not already been turned. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.